Our scripture comes from Genesis 15, 1 through 18 this morning. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household would be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterwards they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, To your descendants, I give this land from the wadi of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates. There's some really great promises in the Bible as we go through uh, the different texts. There's things that God promises towards his people that, that we can rely on, that are uh, trustworthy. Uh, statements that, that we know are true because of God's character, because of who God is. Um, sometimes, not all the time, sometimes they're conditional promises, meaning God says, if you behave this way, then I will behave this way. You know, if you uh, follow me, I will bless you, you know, kind of language. And um, it's a little bit like, uh, you know, if you clean up your room, then maybe we can go to the pool later uh, kind of thing. That happens a lot at my house. Uh, if you uh, help uh, clean up dinner, then, then maybe we can play a board game as a family. There's, there's these kind of conditional ones, but then there's a lot of promises in the Bible that aren't that way, that are just because of who God is, because of God's character, this is who I am. Therefore, here's, here's a promise for you. I'm just going to list uh, a few of them here. God promises that he gives strength to those who are weary. That he will hold your burdens and he will give you rest. 
that his love never fails, that he has adopted you and that you are his, that the Lord will fight for you, that he will give you wisdom if you ask for it, that he will give you strength to resist the evil one, that he will forgive you if you confess your sins, that he will lift up the humble, that he will never leave you or forsake you, that he has given us eternal life, that he will set you free, and that he will listen to you when you pray to him. So today we're going to look at some of these promises of God that, that God has made in the past and see how they relate to us today. So, so God has made promises all throughout Scripture, and while the, the human actors change, here we're learning about Abram and Sarai, and, and later on you learn about King David, and then you, you learn about different uh, biblical characters. While they change, God remains the same. So the God who makes these promises remains the same as the God that we follow today. So uh, we're in this, uh, a few weeks into this series on Abraham and Sarah, and they are given uh, Genesis chapter 11 through 25 uh, in the Bible that focuses on them, 14 chapters uh, focusing on these two people and their interaction with God, which, which is a really, that, that puts you pretty high. In the Bible, there's not many people that have 14 chapters uh, worth of the Bible focusing on their story. Uh, and, and yet we can look at it and we can say that really this story is not much about Abraham and Sarah. It's far more about God. It's far more about, about looking at the lives of Abraham and Sarah and, and seeing who their God is. How does God interact with them? How does God prove to be faithful? How does God prove to be merciful and gracious and, and slow to anger? What, what do we learn about God uh, in this story? Trusting that God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and that we follow the same God. So, so we're looking at this, but that's kind of the lens uh, that we're doing this here. We're, we're reading about uh, Abraham and Sarah, and that's really great, uh, but the reason we're doing it is to learn more about their God. Because that's the same God that we follow. That's the same God who has made all these uh, promises to us. So a little recap before we get into chapter 15 here. Uh, Abram and Sarai have entered this covenant partnership with God. God has promises, promised to do things uh, for them. And, and this one's a little conditional. So they have their side of the deal. Uh, and God has uh, his side. God says that they are to leave everything everything they have known, uh, and go to a new land that he's directing them to go to. Uh, it's not just that. They don't just have to leave. They have to trust him in the process. And then we're told later on that, that part of the equation is that they are to train up their family to do what is right in God's eyes. So he's asking a lot of them, but, but they get the good end of the deal because what God says that God will do uh, if they follow this God will make them into a great nation. He will make their names great. He will make them into a blessing that he will protect them. We're told that he will bless those who bless them and curse those who curse them and that, that eventually all people of the whole earth will be blessed through them. 
So, so there's two sides to this, but we can kind of see who's getting like the good end of the deal. Right? They, they need to trust God. They need to follow God. But God is going to do amazing things uh, through their lives. And in today's text, before I read it, there's a few things that I want you to, to kind of be listening for uh, as I go through it again. Jimeline uh, already read it, but as I go through it again, I want you to kind of have a few things uh, in mind. So we're, we're learning about Abram and Sarai, but, but even more than that, we're learning about God. And, and here we're going to focus on how does God interact uh, with Abram in, in this setting. And one thing that's really amazing, it kind of stands out to me, uh, often you can read through this and it kind of doesn't get said out loud, but have you noticed how God speaks like directly to them? It's like they hear words. It makes me a little jealous. Maybe some of you sometimes hear from God and it's in words, but, but like in my life, it, it looks more like this. I like pray, I try to discern God's will, I, I try to set aside time and and I try not to just speak the whole time. I try to listen too. Uh, but really, it's not this audible voice that I'm hearing. It's God, God kind of uh, gives me peace about something or leads me towards something or, or the circumstances of life fall into place in such a way that you kind of go, okay, God, surely you're acting in this way. Or, or I experience something and then all of a sudden I have a conversation like 12 hours later with someone else that that needs to hear what I just talked about with the other person, you know, and it's like, okay, God, I, I get how you're connecting all these dots, but, but here it's like God is talking with them. And the reason that stands out to me is because they don't believe him. <laughs> right? I mean, God, God is talking to them directly. He's like, these are the promises I have for you. If you do this, I'm going to behave this way. And then they continue on for chapter after chapter after chapter, and God keeps reminding them of the same promises. So, so we read a couple of them here. He's going to give them many descendants. He's going to give them this land. That's really great. That's not the first time God's mentioned it. I think it's like the fourth or fifth time. And why does God keep mentioning it over and over again? It's because they, they stop believing. Circumstances of life change. Things happen in their own lives. And here, they're getting older. They still don't have an heir. They still don't have any children. God said, We're gonna, I'm going to make you a great nation. And there's no kids. And they're getting older. And they know how that works. <laughs> right? I mean, this, is, this is not their first rodeo. <laughs> they've, they've lived uh, in this world long enough, and they, and they know that it's looking like God is not going to live up to his end of the deal. And God comes before Abram again. And, I mean, there's so many times in the Bible that, that these people are just lucky that I'm not God. Right, because there's, there's a point where I'm like, okay, at what point does God just say, I'm moving on to a new couple? I've been talking to you. I've been saying it directly. I'm not like giving you nudges and moving you in the right direction. You know, I, I've been saying words to you, and, and you're still not believing it. But that's just not God's character. So as, as we keep reading, uh, keep an eye on who God is, how patient God is, how loving God is, how he interacts uh, with his children here. 
Genesis 15, uh, starting in verse 1. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. So God appears to Abram and he reminds him once again, not who Abram is, but who God is. He does not start off by saying, Abram, you're getting a little old. Abram, you have reasons to doubt. He, he starts off by saying, this is who I am, Abram. I am your shield. I'm the one who said that he was going to protect you. I'm the one who's been faithful to this promise uh, this entire time. For a, for a number of chapters now and a number of years in their life, God has been faithful to that. Abram doesn't seem to get the clue. Abram starts to be worried about who he is, not who God is. Verse 2, Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children. So a servant in my household will be my heir. Now, the Bible doesn't have different ways of indicating tone of voice. <laughs> but, but how I kind of read it, it sounds a little sassy. Right? God, God comes to him and says, this is who I am. I've, I'm your shield. I'm the one that's been watching over you. I'm protecting you. I am your reward. And Abram's like, what reward? What reward? Because, because I remain childless and you have not given me a child. What have you done for me? Okay, well, there's the times that you protected me. I mean, there's the times where, where in my past I made foolish decisions and, and you watched over me and you even blessed me because of that. Uh, there's the times where you've been my strength and you've been my shield and you've actually given me victories in, in battle even and against overwhelming odds. Uh, but, but God, I don't have any kids. You haven't given me any of those. Do you, do you hear the sassiness a little bit? I'm so glad that, that I'm not God. <laughs> I mean, I think, every, I think every parent can hear the tone of voice that's going on there. You, you haven't done this for me, God. And it's really easy in these verses to, to read this and be like, Abram, you fool. Don't you know who God is? And then it's one of those verses that then, then it turns into a mirror and then we see ourselves. And then we see times where God has been faithful to us. We see times where, where we've followed God and he's been with us and he's, he's taken care of us and then we turn around and we say, God, where were you? Where were you when this was going on in my life? Where, where have you been? What are you doing here? This wasn't the plan, God. I thought you were going to be faithful. I thought that's who you were. I thought that was the deal that we had. I thought you were going to be there for me. 
God, what do you have to say for yourself? And, and maybe we say it out loud. Maybe we're that bold. I mean, he's talking to God directly here. That's pretty bold. I tend to think it and never say it. Right? It's the same. I, I tend to, to have these thoughts, to have these feelings, and, and maybe they're not even worded this way, but they're just, that's where my heart is. So I already know how I would respond, but let's see, how does God respond? Verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars if indeed you can count them. Then he said, so shall your offspring be. Remember who made the stars, right? There's a little bit of a, um, I don't know if power play is the right word. <laughs> hey, why don't you come outside and look at this thing I made <laughs> uh, and, and see how faithful I am, see, see my ability here. Uh, why don't you count those? I think God can count them. I don't think Abram can count them. Right? But God is patient here. He restates the promise again. This is like time number six. He restates it again because, because he needs to hear it. He's having a hard time believing it. Verse 6, Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. That is our first word of good news. Abram hears it, and he believes it. He hears the promises of God, and he believes that it is true. God doesn't just leave it here either. He once again starts to talk about who he is, who God is. Let me remind you, Abram, of who I am. Verse 7. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land and take possession of it. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? Now, this next thing that happens is um, one of these sections of the Bible that if you don't read commentaries, is a little odd sounding, right? Do you remember when Jimeline read it, it talks about the animals, and they're split in half, and you're like, wait, that was a left turn. Like, <laughs> wait, what is going on here? Okay, I was following along, they were having this dialogue, and now they're cutting animals in half, and, and this just got weird. Uh, but here's what's going on. We need to kind of put on our ancient Near Eastern historian uh, hats and kind of look at this. There's a cultural thing uh, that is happening here. Uh, back then, when two people, two humans, wanted to make a covenant together, wanted to make a, an official partnership together, there was kind of a ceremony process that they went through. Uh, they would take several animals, um, 
and, and they would cut them in half like the long way. It's kind of odd. They would cut them in half the long way, and they would split them into kind of a strange uh, runway uh, kind of setup with, with half of the animal on the right side and half of it on the left side. Then the two of them, side by side, would walk down this, this strange aisle, um, and, and they would get to the other side. And what this signified to them and, and to the, the culture around them, that if they would break this treaty, they should kind of be like those animals, right? That's the same, I deserve this fate, uh, so, so I'm going to be faithful to this treaty, and you're going to be faithful, and we're going to walk together, and now we can trust that, that this is an official thing, this is a binding thing. Um, so I know to us it's kind of strange, it sounds uh, kind of gruesome, um, really kind of odd, but, but that's the normal practice, right? So they would go together, and and I'm going to read it for you, and I want you to listen, because something doesn't happen the traditional way here. Uh, and it's really important. Verse 9. So the Lord said to him, bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged them in halves opposite of each other. The birds, however, he didn't cut in half. Then the birds of prey came on the carcasses, and Abram drove them away. So Abram has now set up this whole thing, and he's sitting, and he's waiting for God to move. He's waiting for God to do something. Verse 12, as the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep. And a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterwards they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. This is referencing the book of Exodus. This is referencing um, the descendants of Abraham's in slavery in Egypt for 400 years. They will come back, and that's when they'll take possession of the land. Remember, this started with Abram saying, I'm just one guy. How am I supposed to possess this land? It's full of people. It's full of uh, nations here. So, so God's answer is, it's not going to happen yet. It's going to happen in the future. He's talking to a sleeping Abram, uh, but, but we get to hear <laughs> what's being said. Uh, and then verse 17, when the sun uh, had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, To your descendants, I will give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates. Okay, so who passed through the animals? Just God. Right? The, the, the rule is, how it's supposed to work, 
is that side by side, you pass through. And, and then you're saying, if I don't follow my side of this, then I should end up like, like these animals. Right? Very visual <laughs> uh, culture, I guess. Uh, and, and yet here, God puts Abram into a deep sleep because he knows he'll walk through if he's awake. So he puts him into a sleep, leaves him there, and then passes through by himself, holding all of the, the relationship himself, holding all the covenant himself. And, and the, the part of it that's, that's important and why this is such good news is that God knows that Abram will fall short. He doesn't want him to walk through. God knows him. God knows that he'll fall short. God knows that his descendants will fall short, that they will not live up to this. They will not live up to their end of the deal. But God knows that that's not going to break this covenant because God is the only one that goes through. He knows that they will seek after their own wisdom and after their own strength, that they will pull away from God, that they will seek other gods, gods of money and and influence and power. He knows that they will fail to trust him. God knows that they will question his goodness, that they will question his righteousness and his faithfulness and his graciousness, that they will question his love and his compassion. He knows that in this relationship that they're going to lack trust and that they're going to struggle the whole time to be saviors of their own lives. So what is a God to do? What is, what is God to do? God who's going to be faithful, who's going to, who's going to live up to his end of the deal. He puts Abram to sleep and he passes through alone. That's who our God is. He's a God who knows. He continues to know in our own lives. He continues to know how this relationship is going to work. He is not surprised when you doubt him. He's not surprised when you have moments where, where you lack faithfulness to him, where you struggle to be a God of your own life. He knows that if we're left only to our own abilities, that we will fall short. He knows that you will seek your own wisdom and your own strength. God knows that you will be tempted to seek after gods of money and gods of influence and gods of power. He knows that you will fail to trust him. This doesn't surprise God. When you're going through a hard day, you might be surprised, but God is not surprised. God knew what he was getting into when he chose you. He knows that there'll be times where you question his goodness. He knows that there'll be times where you question his righteousness where you question his faithfulness, 
where you question his graciousness, where you even question his love and his compassion. God knows that you will lack trust. He knows that there's going to be seasons of your life where you struggle and you try to be your own savior. We don't follow a God who is surprised by any of this. But again, what what does a God who knows all that, what is is he to do in relationship with us? How how is he supposed to behave? What is he supposed to do in this situation? He loves you so dearly, but, but he knows that you can't save yourself. So he sends a savior. He sends a savior to us. He sends Jesus to us. He knows that we can't save ourselves, so he did all the work. He becomes a savior for us while while we, just like Abram, are sleeping on the sidelines. One of, the, one of the songs today says, Ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. We weren't even asleep. <laughs> we were in the crowd. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the good news. That's the good news of Jesus Christ, is that while you were dead in your sins, Christ died for you. He didn't make you walk hand in hand down this aisle and say, live up to your end of the bargain or you're going to end up like this. Because he knew we couldn't. And because he loved us enough. Now the only thing we have left to do, the only thing we have left to do on our part is is to turn from our old way of living to trust, to follow, to obey to seek after him, not not to prove who we are, but because of what he has done. Because of who he is. We we get tricked in our own minds just like Abraham or Abram is, is tricked here. We start to think it's all about us. Abram thought it was all about himself. Who he was what blessings he was receiving. But it's pretty clear to see as as we look back and we have this this ability of, of time and distance to look back at this text and you can see it is all about who God is. It is all about God's love, God's faithfulness, God's mercy, his forgiveness. And that's who he is. And it's such good news. It's so good. I'll end with this. This is a reading from Psalm 103, verses 8 through 12. And it's a psalm that that just speaks to who our God is 
in our own lives. Again, Psalm 103, 8 through 12. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquity. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. For as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us.